So here we are in the last message series of what do you expect? We've been learning really here in regards of how do we use our faith. And what we have done is we have taken a look at the analogy of a pregnancy, right? For example, uh, when you are parents-to-be, what happens? Things change, right? Everything changes, it seems like. Your mentality changes, your thoughts change, <laughs> your stress life definitely changes, right? You start recognizing things, you're Googling, you're reading books like what to expect when you are expecting. You start working on a nursery, understanding how much this experience is going to cost me. At least I was, all right? But everything changes when you begin to expect something that it's going to happen or that it's going to take place. And this also happens with us. Listen, when we receive a promise or simply a dream from God as well. Last week, we took a look, a look at the fact that we need to have what is considered a flexible faith and simply understanding that we don't give up when things don't go our way, right? When things don't work out the way we think they should. Uh, the way we perceive them to look within our minds. If it doesn't work out that way, we kind of instantly kind of just, you know, clam up, break apart, and go, oh, God, where are you? I've missed the mark. I've missed this. And oftentimes, what does that really result? A lot settling. Not going after God's best, but rather going, you know what, this is what? It, it, mentality of this. This is just good enough. I don't think God wants a just good enough experience for you in your life. I think God wants you to have the best experience that you can spiritually in your life. Can anybody say amen to that? Thank you. I'm going to have to coach you along, okay? It's okay. You know, I think God wants the best from us, but watch this. I also believe that God wants to bring the best in us. Now, what I want you to understand here and try to get a clear indication of this is that faith is not an emotion or a physical displacement. Rather, faith is you and I lassoing around a promise from God. Watch this. Not a wish of your own. Let's understand that. When I talk about us lassoing around or expressing our faith to something, I'm not saying that you're just dreaming something up inside of your head like, I want a $1.5 million home on a $15,000 a year budget or salary, right? That's not going to happen. Okay, let's be realistic here. What I'm talking about, and watch this. Here's where people get very confused sometimes. What God's provision is for you may be different from me. So the blessings that he pours into me might look a little different than what your blessings is. That doesn't mean God's blessing you any more or any less. He's blessing you according to what his promises, his plan, his purpose, and his will is for your life. So faith is when we are lassoing around our promises of God and pulling them from the unseen into what? The seen. So let's be clear. I'm not saying that your dreams and wants we're not talking about that. I'm speaking of what God is willing, his plan, his direction, and his desire is for your life. It's clear to us that this, here's your first thing. If you have your bulletin, you can take a look in there. You can also go on version and see the outline of our message there as well. But it says this, your faith has an object, but your faith also has a what? Enemy. Satan has these specific tactics that he seems to use often. And that's what we're going to really look into in these next few moments. We're going to unlock and how to overcome the enemy um, of, of what? Our faith. We see this very specifically within the life of Moses. His mother believed for a baby, right? She was wanting for her child to not only be born, but also to survive. Understanding this and taking a look at a little bit of the backstory here with Moses' birth, you have the children of Israel, they've been enslaved in, in Egypt, and now you have Pharaoh, and he sees that the Israelites are growing. In other words, what the population of the Israelites is growing so much that he's becoming fearful because it's beginning to eclipse really what the population of Egypt was. So in his mind, as any good leader would think, hmm, this could be a problem. 
these people want to rally up, we can have a real big issue. And so he thinks in his mind, here's how we're going to solve that. We're going to kill them, right? We're going to take all of these babies. We're going to, we're going to, they're not going to survive. And so what happens here for, for his mom is that she's concerned and she just, she gets nervous. She becomes very paranoid. All right. And she does something. So let's, let's pick it up in Exodus chapter one. It says, then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people, throw every newborn Hebrew boy into the Nile River. Why boy? Cutting off the seed. We see a clear reflection in a lot of ways here of, and a parallel of the story of Christ. Boy into the Nile River, but you may let the girls live. Let's continue on. Uh, let's go to Exodus 2, uh, 1 through 2. About this time, a man and a woman from the tribe of, Eve, of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for how many months? Three months. Now, let's, let's, let's stop there for a moment and, and let's, let's look at the, these words here that it says, saw that he was what? A special baby. And then she did something very important when she had something valuable within her. When she had something valuable in her possession, it wasn't just something as normal that she got like an, an everyday object, but there was value here. And she knew that this child was special. So she did something with it. She hid it. Why did she hide it? She was trying to hide it from the enemy because she knew if the enemy was to find out what was happening, he would come in and try to kill what God's promise was. Many times. What we believe for, the promise or dream can often be conceived in a very tough environment or difficult environment within your life. Just because you have a dream or plan that God has given you a provision, it does not mean that it always will come easy for you. We get so excited, and we should when we receive these. But understanding this, there's an enemy who is going to do everything within his power to come and to destroy your faith. He would like nothing less than to get where? Within your mind and cause any sense of doubt. You know, I'm believing God for my marriage, my job, my finances, spiritual growth. I'm believing God for ministry. And all of a sudden, all these attacks seem to come. Everything breaks loose for the moment. You know, I, it was funny. I was, um, this week, I, 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 sometimes, you ever bite off more than you can chew in life? Okay, I've got like two people. Thank you, all right? I do the same thing. And you all know I love baseball. There's no greater sport in my mind than baseball. Thank you, amen. <laughs> yes! Woo! We're going to get fired up over baseball, man, let me tell you. And uh, so, I, you know, my, my, my boys, they play, they play Little League. And the youngest one, here's, here's my mentality, right? I'm, I have a hard time dealing with when, when kids don't have coordination yet. Because I'm like a, a middle school, high school type coach. Like, you got to be able to throw the ball in order for me to get involved in your life. Okay? You got to be able to swing the bat correctly. All right? Well, my wife last year got me involved in t-ball. That's a challenge. And, uh, and, and so Caden, my youngest, is in his second season, second year of T-ball. And last year, I took on the role of being the vice president for, for the T-ball. So in other words, I'm in charge of T-ball. All right? We have a president of the league, and then I'm one of them little minions now. Okay? That has to make sure everything gets done. Last year, I had these coaches, man. They were on top of everything. And, and it was great, and I thought everything was going to be golden again this year. I had this guy that would come around, he would mow the grass, he would till it, he would get the weeds, he did all this stuff. I didn't have to do nothing. And I said, sure, I'll do it again, thinking I'm going to have the same thing. Needless to say, his kids moved up and mine stayed down. And now who's doing it all? Here we go. All right. So anyway, so I'm out there working by myself. Notice I said that, by myself. For the kids of the community. We're a very community-minded church, praise God. And so I'm out there, and, and, and I'm working in the field, and here comes this truck. I didn't recognize it at first. It was pulling this boat behind it. 
And I was like, well, I see a boat, I stop. I'm like, oh, it's a boat. You know, it's like bird, bird squirrel, you know, that type of deal. So, and, and he comes over, and I was like, well, this guy must know me. He wants to talk to me. So he gets out. And sure enough, it's one of our church members. And I'm, I'm, I'm very excited about that. I love talking to you guys. I, I thought maybe he saw me out there working and he would, you know, hey, pastor, you sit down for a few minutes. Let me take this on. I'm not going to look at him right now. So anyway, <laughs> oh, I love it. I'm just messing. So anyway, anyway, so he comes out and he starts telling me this story that happened in his life. And it was really cool. And I, I'm, I'm probably going to butcher some of it. So forgive me, whoever you are. And, um, so he's telling me this story, and he'd been praying and wanting this specific job, okay? And um, this was a season ago, understand that. And the job didn't work out the way he was hoping that it would to come into his season. And, but there was, he, he made this comment. He said, Pastor, there was this guy that I would be working for that we just don't get along at all, right? Not at all. We don't get along. It's not, it, good thing I didn't get the job because it wasn't meshed well at all, so to speak, all right? He goes, but something strange happened. The guy lost his job. Then the company calls me. I get hired on to the promotion that I wanted. Just wasn't in the season that I was expecting it to happen. What does that mean to us? What does that tell us? That God's got a plan, a will, a purpose. He's got a perfect timing, and it doesn't always match up with yours. Now, uh, I thought that was an impressive story personally, but. I mean, the rest of you may, may have fall asleep on that one, but I don't know. But there's an enemy. That's right. Thank you. He might have just said that. So. There's an enemy who is going to do everything he can to come in and discourage your faith. He would like nothing less than to get into your what? Your mind and bring in a sense of doubt. Why is that? The enemy enjoys fighting things in its infancy. So that he never has to deal with the enemy in its maturity. It's easy to fight Moses as an infant, but it would become more difficult to fight Moses as a grown man. Listen, the enemy knows that a mature faith plays as a wrecking ball simply to his kingdom. I don't think Satan is behind every bad thing that happens in us. In fact, I feel that a lot of these things that go wrong simply come out of our own selfish desires. But it would be just as foolish for us to think or to say it's always the enemy or, or rather uh, just as foolish as it is to say it's always the enemy. It can be just as foolish to say it's never the enemy. In other words, making no mistake about it, Satan is simply he's after your faith. That's why scripture tells us to what? Fight the good fight of faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 11 says this, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his scheme. What does that scripture really break down to say? It says this, in other words, don't allow Satan to outsmart you. He has a common game plan. And if you can understand his game plan, you can recognize him in the circumstance. And watch, we have all had his game plan played out in our life so much that many times you recognize it even before it goes into full effect. The question is, how are we responding to that? If the enemy can do this, divert your gaze, in other words, your sight, your vision, if the enemy can divert your gaze, he can do this, derail your faith. The enemy tries to make small things, what? Become big things. He wants to make this obstacle appear as immovable. He wants it to seem as it's immeasurable. He wants to blow up what looks so small to make so large and scary and threatening in your life. Now here, I'm going to throw up an image. Or I'm not going to throw it up, but Kyle is. I hope. Look at that thing. That looks like something from a horror flick. That looks mean. That looks evil. I, I don't. It actually looks like it's got a crooked grin. But I wouldn't... That, to me, is creepy, right? Something scary. Let's see what it really is. Nothing but a small ant. Many of you are so terrified by so much that the enemy is just blown up to look so large, but in God's eyes it goes, what? 
That's nothing. That is nothing. There is nothing too big for God that God cannot handle within your life. Something small that turns into something so big. It's not that it is big, it's just that you think it's big. So what does the enemy magnify? Two things. I'm going to go through this quickly because there's an add-on to my message that I didn't give anybody, and uh, I really want to want to bring that in. But number one, he magnifies your past. Who's got a past? Come on now. Throw them up. Be proud, right? Or maybe not. The enemy loves to live within your mind. Not what will be, but what was. Look what happened before. How can you do these things? Look at the way you lived. Look at the environment you allowed yourself in. Look at the relationships you have messed up. Look at the poor decision making. Look at your thought life. Look at your actions. Look at the things you took into your body. How do you think God could ever do that in your life? How could you ever think God could promise anything in your life? These are issues, the sin struggle. It's always going to be like this. These are the mentality that we have taken on. The enemy is trying to what? Magnify your past so that it gets you out of your future and out of what? His view. He knows that you are a problem for his kingdom. He knows that you are a threat. It's almost as if we say, you know what, when I'm being attacked, I don't need to look at this as, oh, poor me. I need to look at this as, God, God you got, you're developing, you're doing something, you're moving, and the enemy is afraid. Because why? Greater is he that is in me than what? He is in the world. Now, how do we combat this? We keep praying, we keep seeking, we keep knocking. Let's take a look in Luke chapter 11, verses 9 through uh, 13. It says, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Now, we take this scripture, in my opinion, very much out of context because we look at that and go, well, what is your dream and your hope and your plan for your life? Go ahead and ask for it. No, it needs to be, God, what is your dream? God, what is your hope? God, what is your plan? I'm seeking after that. I'm knocking on the door of that because that's the only thing that really true brings what? Real peace within us. All right, here we go. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Verse 11, this is also a salvation scripture there. But verse 11, which of you fathers, I love this, if your son asked for a fish, would you give him a snake instead? If that was my dad, I would have been out the door. I'm deathfully terrified of snakes. You know, I, that, that, God, why did we have to, why can't you say spiders? <laughs> or if he asks for an egg, we'll, we'll give him a scorpion. Verse 13, if you then, though you, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. That's you, right? That's me. We have things about us that's not pleasing. We are of sinful mind, sinful man. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Don't be confused here by what you embrace as his provision. His dream or his promise. Everything mentioned in this scripture, in the intent of this passage, is simply that your heavenly father will provide what is needed and what he has planned and willed for your life. What is needed, what is planned, what is willed for your life is completely different than what you are wishing for in your life. It's completely different than what you are jealous over others for in their lives that you wish was in your life. Now, don't stop believing, right? I love that. What was that? Was that a um, journey song, right? Don't stop believing, right? Watch this. Don't stop praying. This is a journey that you are on. We are not looking at an instant move, but we are looking what? As a journey. Let's look at John chapter 8, verse 44. He says, and this is speaking of the enemy himself, all right? He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. Now, listen, this is going to be powerful. I hope you've grasped this, because from this moment on, every day in your life, every time you hear this, what's about to come about, should change the way you think. Watch this. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is what? No truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native tongue. What does that mean? He's a fluent liar. Who's a fluent liar? The enemy. If he's coming in and he's creeping in and he's speaking against what God has given you as a dream, 
as a provision, as a promise. He's a liar. So watch this. He is what? A liar. For he is a liar and the father of lies. So when the enemy is trying to magnify your past by saying, look where you've been. Look what you've done. He does this simply because he understands you empower what you believe. What do you believe? From that scripture, we should be able to take this, that the devil is a liar. He's the father of all lives. And anytime he begins to creep in and go against God's provision, will, purpose for my life, he is speaking lies. When he's looking at my life and comparing it to what I used to be, to compare to where I am now, he is a liar. Don't be an audience for him. When he's trying to compare you with who you think you should be and who your neighbor is, he's a liar. Don't allow yourself to be an audience to him. Know this, that you have been created for more, that God has given you provision, that God is speaking life into your life, that his word is the breath of life. Nothing, nothing compares to the word of God. The word of God is the truth. It's infallible. It's full of truth. It's full of direction. When we believe on God's word, we will stand on God's word. When we allow this to empower us, it will bring value into our lives. Every lie that you believe from the enemy, you are empowering the enemy. And you're taking worth from God and placing it to Satan. There is power in what you believe. He's trying to magnify your problem. He wants you to focus on the past simply so that you are looking at things from a distorted viewpoint. He wants to get into your mind. I love, you know, I see, uh, we all read a lot of scripture. You better read scripture. Let me tell you that right now. You want to live a fruitful life, a wholesome life spiritually, you better allow yourself to get into the word of God. You know, I, I, I said this last week, and I gave this as an example. I said, sometimes, you know what? You go through this, this, this scriptures, and, and, and you can walk away from it one day and be like, man, you know what? I don't think I got anything from that today. And then tomorrow you can wake up and do the same thing and walk away, and maybe I didn't get anything from that today. And then the next day, do the same thing. And you know what? I don't think I got anything from that today. And then maybe a month later, you open up that passage because you've been disciplined enough to stay within the word of God. And all of a sudden, it's like the Lord just jumped out of the pages and begin to work in your life. You know why that happened? It's not because you read it that day. It's because you read it all those days that maybe you didn't feel like it, or maybe you felt like you weren't getting it. What were you doing? You were creating discipline within your life. The word of God is powerful. Allow it to speak life into you. All right. We're to stand upon his word. He's trying to magnify our problems. He wants you to focus so that on, on, the, on the things of his life, so he can distort your view. Since everything he says, uh, according to scripture we just read, is a lie, we need to understand that when he's speaking at us, he's simply lying to us. Every time he throws up in your face that it's never going to work out, salvation is never going to come to your loved ones, but yet you have God, you've heard God say that it's going to come to them. That you're never going to find the right spouse. That you're never going to uh, amount to anything of worth within your life. Let me tell you this first of all. If you ever second guess your worth, you need to correct that thinking right now. Because you are a child, you are a son, and you are a daughter of God. You know, I was gone for three days. Two and a half, I guess. And, 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 and I sat there that first night. I took a break from the service because it was my boy's bedtime. And I said, you know what, I'm going to go out in this lobby and I'm going to call them just so I can tell them good night. And I went out there and I, and I called them and I got to hear their voice and I got to hear their mom. And I told them I love them and good night. And I went back into the service and it hit me when I was in there. How much more does your heavenly father love you than you love your own? Thank you. Woo! I should get somebody excited. When the enemy is speaking at you, I should encourage your faith. Let's take a look at this. Isaiah 43, 19. He says this. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in, in the what? Wasteland. God, God is looking at doing 
things in your life. We serve a God who creates. I love this. We serve a God who creates things, makes things that were broken, beat down, torn apart, and he makes them new again. I love it. Watch this. When the enemy's speaking to you about your past, you can remind him some of this on the scripture, Revelations chapter 20, verse 10. It says this, and the devil who deceived them was what? Thrown into the lake of the burning sulfur. In other words, Satan, I know where your destination is going to be. You might sit there and try to, to uh, distort God's view in my life. You might try to, to uh, mess up what God's promises are, but I know where you're going. He says, where the beast and the false prophet have been thrown. They didn't say where they're going. He said, watch this. When God speaks, it's already happened. Um, Austin, can I use you for a second? See, at least I asked. I didn't just be like, get up here. Turn around. Let them see. Any beautiful. <laughs> just stay right. Don't follow me. All right. Now, here's Austin. Here's how I see this. And, and, and I see this through scripture. We read it. We saw this with Jarius uh, last week within the, and within the text. It said that when Jarius went to Jesus, we understand that something happened instantly in that moment. The scripture says that what Jesus went with him. So Jer- Jarius went to Jesus and he communicated what the problem was. All right. And I love this. Yeah. And, and I don't know why I have you standing here yet, but I do. There's a reason, all right? And, and so, so your life is not insignificant right now. There is a purpose. We're just going to find it out together. And so Jarius went to Jesus and said, you know, I, 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 this is the problem. This is what's going on, and, and I need you to work this out, so to speak. And so we, we see within the Scripture, I'm just paraphrasing here, we see within the Scripture where Jesus goes what? It says that he went with him. Now, we also read throughout that Scripture that uh, uh, that, that as he was going, other people pressed in. Other needs became a priority, actually, during that time. And then as they were going, some, a group of people came and said, Jarius, I'm sorry, but man, your daughter's dead. You all just send Jesus back, go on home, take care of the business, and, 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 and comfort your, 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 your wife, your family, your friends, all that stuff. And, and so we, Jarius, Jarius is smart. He doesn't say anything, right? He, he doesn't say anything throughout the scriptures. He just stays right beside Jesus the entire time. And so as he's standing beside Jesus and they continue to make their way, you know, they get there and, and Jesus and they come in and they're like, oh, they're all wailing. They're crying and all this stuff. And, and, and Jesus is like, oh, why, why? The girl's just sleeping and the people laugh. When you get into a time of prayer and God drops, drops provision, promise, direction within your life, it doesn't get fulfilled when you see it in the natural. The moment God speaks it and wills it for you, it's as if it is already done. So my man Austin here, who might have some things and some problems, but yet God's dropping provision, God's dropping purpose, God's dropping will within his life, Watch this. He may not see that within the natural eye, but spiritually, God's already there. So in that scripture that we read in what? Uh, you can sit down now. What we read in Revelations chapter 20, it says this. They tore, uh, for, the prof, for, the pro, for the false prophet had been thrown. Had is what a past tense. In other words, in God's eyes, it's already done. So you know the future of your enemy. It's already done. Hell was made just for him. We have the cross. We have redemption. We have the gospel of Jesus Christ. Isaiah 42, 25, I, even I, am he who blots out what your transgressions, in other words, your sins, for my own sake, and remembers your sins no more. Look at your neighbor and say, no more. No more. Watch this, Micah 7, 19. You will again have compassion on us. Thank God. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all of our iniquities. Where? Into the depths of the sea. Your sins have been what? Forgiven. Nailed to the cross. Jesus, his blood, what? Paid for it all. When I look, I don't see sin, but I see what? He says, I see my son. I see my daughter. So don't allow the enemy to remind you of the past that God has already forgotten about. Number two, he magnifies your weaknesses. He brings to your attention of everything that you don't have. Let's look in 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 27, and then jump to verse 29. It says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. 
Not many of you were wise. Jesus said, you're dumb. No, I'm just kidding. In other words, uneducated right there, okay? Not many of you were wise by human standard. Not many were influential means powerful or nobility or strength. Not many were of noble birth, of noble birth of what finances or connections, as we would say. Verse 27. But God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. Verse 29. So that no one may boast before him. So what if you don't have the strength for it? You don't have the ability. You don't have the resources, the talents. None of that really matters. What matters is when we're allowing God to empower us so that we can do more than we could ever think or ever done or even imagine. We see scripture in full of people who the enemy could have magnified their weaknesses, people who could have allowed uh, their deficiencies or their issues to become their identity. Look, we all have issues in this room. We all have deficiencies. We all have things that we're not proud of. We have pasts that we're not proud of. We have things that we've been mixed in. We got things about us physically that we don't like. But it, in God's eyes, none of that is of any matter. God can do whatever he wants. Let's take a look at a few. Abraham was too old when God fulfilled promise. Isaac was what? A daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Joseph was a felon. Moses could not publicly speak. Gideon was fearful. Samson was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah was too young. David was an adulterer. Elijah was simply suicidal. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Peter denied Jesus. Martha was a warrior. The Samaritan woman was divorced. Mary Magdalene was demon-possessed. And Paul persecuted Christians. All of that to say that there is not an issue in your life that God still cannot overcome and use you to do great things. Amen. Those are people who believe, believed God in spite of their situation, in spite of their past, in spite of their lack. Numbers chapter 23, verse 19. God is not human that he should lie. What's that? God's not a liar. That he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? 2 Corinthians 1, 20. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are what? Yes, in Christ. Romans 3, 4. Let God be true and every human being a liar. Isaiah 55, 11, So is my word that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve for the purpose for which I sent it. All right, here we go. Moving on quickly. Number three. Don't let the enemy dictate what you magnify. Don't let him spell out in your life what you're going to magnify. He does not get to choose what you enlarge. When he tries to make my problems big, I need to make my God bigger. When he's throwing out every reason as to why it won't come to be, that it can't work, that it's impossible. Remember where you have come from. Psalm 34, 3, I love this. Glorify. What does glorify represent? Praise, worship, describing as admirable, right? So glorify the Lord with me. Let us. Notice it doesn't say let I or let me. It says let us do this together. What? Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt. What is that? Showing him as a higher standard. Exalt his name together. We're showing in high regard who he is. Now, the enemy does not get to choose what you focus on. Same thing in uh, Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to know him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. 
By faith, Noah, when warned about the things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is keeping with faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him to be what faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, as he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, as countless as the sand of the seashore. Verse 13. All these people were still having faith, but yet died. Moving on, verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as his sacrifice. He who embraced the promise was about to sacrifice his only one, one and only son. Even though God said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham responded that God could even raise the dead. And so in manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regarding to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's son and wor- sons and worshipped as he learned or leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be ministered to be ministered along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Some of you need to allow that one to come into your spirit. Let me repeat that one again. He chose to be ministered along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace with the sake of cross, with the sake of Christ, as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Or I want to throw in there his promise, his purpose, his will. By faith, he loved Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Some of you need to begin to see him who is invisible within your life. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. Moving on. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, The walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth, about David, Samuel, the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised. Watch this. Who shut the mouths of lions, who quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned into strength, who became powerful in battle and routed foreign enemies. By faith. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of worship right there? Amen. You know, what I find interesting is that Moses' mom believed for her son to live. But during that, God already had a plan for this man to deliver a nation. And in God's eyes, it was already as if it were. What I find interesting is that Mary believed also for her son to live. God already had a plan for this man to deliver humanity. And in his eyes, it was already done. What I find interesting here today is that there's men and women who want that dream, that purpose, that promise to live. But in God's eyes, it is already as if it is done. Stand with me this morning.
I love this scripture in 1 Timothy. It says this, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. What is that saying? Take hold of the eternal life. What is this? It's the gospel. It's what Christ was born for, lived for, died for. It was done for you and me for the forgiveness of our sins. Mary just wanted her son to live. But God already had a plan that this son would deliver, would forgive sin. Today, you may not know who Jesus Christ is. I hope you've gotten a glimpse of him this morning. He's the one who drops the promise, the provision, the purpose, the will into your life. He is the one who brings life. He's the one, he is the definition of truth. He is joy, he is peace, and he is love. And if you're longing for that in your life today, I wanna give you that opportunity to give your life to Jesus Christ. If you would close your eyes with me in this place, in this room. That is you this morning. You can say, Pastor, I, I want to give my life over to Jesus today. Today is the day of salvation, and I want this to be the moment. If that's you in this room, I just want you to slip up your hand. I see those hands. I see that one. I see those. I see those. Amen. I see that one. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray this prayer together as a church, boldly, enthusiastically, as if it was the first time you ever gave your heart to him. Let's pray this together. Father God, today I accept you, Jesus, to be the Lord of my life, to be my master, to be my savior. You are my soon and coming king. And from this day forward, I live for you. Lead me, guide me, and direct me. Protect me and provide for me. I love you, Jesus. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Amen. Yes. Now, here's what I've done the last several messages. And I've, I've done it very relaxed. And you guys know I change things up. I don't ever do it all the same. And guess what? I'm changing it up today. I did that with the offering already, right? Look what God did. What do you, more do you think he can do in just the next few moments? Today you can say, Pastor, I, I, I've received that promise. I know what that promise is for my life. And, or maybe you would sit there and go, I don't, I've, I've not seen it yet. I'm praying for it. I'm praying for some direction, some wisdom. I'm praying for some know-how. I'm praying for the doors to be open. And we're also praying for what? Doors to be closed. But you could sit there and honestly say, you know what? I want to be led by God. I want to not be discouraged when things maybe just don't work out the way I thought they should work out. I want to stay faithful in it. I want to continue to pursue, not get weak. I want to expect what God's promised to be fulfilled. Maybe that's you today and you could be like, you know what, I've been struggling with this or maybe not even that. Maybe you're just saying, I just need some God time. Here we are. What better place to have some God time than right here? What better place than to have a few moments with God and with fellow believers circled around you, praying with you? I want to pray with you also. So if that's you this morning, I want to invite you to step out where you are and come down here to the front. Come on. If that's you. This is your invite. This is your moment. And I think they're going to play some music, some worship music. And those of you who are, maybe you don't come down, that's fine. If you want to pray where you're at, pray for these. Pray that God's Spirit, His Holy Spirit would move and work and do these miraculous things, providing these provisions. Let's go after God in these next few moments, whatever that may be for you. I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child 
Yeah. 
great to be in church today. Amen? Yeah. Awesome. All right. That's all I got for you. All right. That's it. Game over. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for this day. You've done great things in this place today. Continue to move in everyone's life. May we always uh, be strong in our faith, God, knowing that you are faith. You, you, faith is from you. And uh, Father, we thank you for that. And may we just grow in that every single day. God, understand that you've got great provision and promise for all of our lives. May we not lose sight of that, even when things get tough. But Lord, we love you. We thank you for all things. God, as we always say, and we do this wholeheartedly, let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, and the church says, Amen. All right, we love you. <laughs>